Hello and welcome to BB On The Record, this podcast from British Bandsmen. I'm Mark Good, editor of British Bandsmen, and in this episode, I hear from Dutch euphonium star and Besson artist Robert Voss, following his recent decision to step down as musical director of brass band Schoenhoven. Robert speaks honestly about the health of the Dutch banding scene and dares to look to the future as bands begin to emerge from the COVID-19 pandemic. He also charts his musical roots, which have seen him grow into the renowned performer he is today. But first, time to reflect on a year like no other. It has been a very awkward year, like for all of us. Um, I wasn't able to work uh, for almost 14 months. We had the rare moment of uh, being able to do a small concert, but the last concert was actually the end of September. I decided last year to uh, do a lot of online stuff, uh, posted quite some videos. I tried to do some teaching and created some new work opportunities because I had some more time to organize it. Um, So it was a very strange year, but it also brought some good things. You have quite a social media presence. Is that something that you've just really tried to cultivate, particularly over the past year? Well, last year, uh, I, I tried to start with um, with posting daily videos in the first lockdown. And I was like, well, that's a great idea. I might do this for three weeks. And then I ended up doing it for 65 days, something like, like that. So that was quite, quite a bit of fun. And it also brought me uh, in contact with quite a few people abroad. Uh, so I was able to do workshops in Japan, Colombia, Brazil, due to these videos because people still notice you and now what i notice uh, with my new teaching job at the conservatoire uh, in tilburg that also this uh, being present on social media uh, gets you in touch with potential students we've seen so much music making and life across the performing arts just come to a halt over the past year and a bit robert has it been a similar story in the netherlands yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the only orchestras that are still playing are the professional symphony orchestras. They're doing a lot of broadcasting uh, according to strict rules. But for example, the Marine Band where I play in, um, that's very strict, of course, and very logical. Uh, we have been working a little bit for the last few weeks, doing some small ceremonies and working in small ensembles. And hopefully after summer, we'll be able to go back to full orchestra. So hopefully looking to some brighter times ahead. But this past year, with its lockdowns, has given a lot of people some more time to think because life hasn't been quite as frantic. You've obviously been doing some thinking because you recently announced that you'd made the decision to step down as musical director of Brass Band Schoenhoven, though you're going to stay with the band as principal euphonium. Tell me a little bit about that decision and the process that led up to it in your mind. Well, that's an interesting one. Um, of course, the one thing I started have been appreciating much more last year is spending a bit more time with family and friends. I've been working, well, way too much probably, uh, which I really enjoyed, by the way, but I've been working quite a bit. And uh, sometimes you just miss out on the small things. So um, that's something that I really started to appreciate more. And next to that, uh, my new job at the conservatoire, we might have uh, the double amount of students as we expected, which is great, but I need to find a a, a time to plan them. I think a band is Schoenhoven, uh, which is of course a great band and they're great musicians, but they deserve a conductor who can really do everything they need to get them to the highest level possible. Um, I'm not sure if I'm the right man at this point to do it because I 
well, there are too many things which are fun. Um, but I think when I focus, um, my main focus in a week, if it would be on playing and on teaching the instrument that I play on, that would be a more logical combination for me for the next few years. Was it a difficult decision to make? Because we know it's a great band, isn't it? Absolutely. But I've been there for 14 years, but I've, I've been enjoying playing maybe just as much as conducting it. So uh, stepping back, it doesn't feel like stepping back, but just going back to my own seat and just enjoy the time, uh, the, the, spend the time there that I already did for the last few years. As you say, Robert, you've been connected with the organisation for quite a few years and then you were conducting at the A-Band since about 2018. How do you reflect upon your time with the Baton there? Do you look back on some happy memories? Well, we have had some great opportunities. I think that um, we, did, we did a very nice competition when I just started with a programme based uh, on, well, let's say older composers. We did Journey into Freedom, uh, Toccata, The Blessed Lord by Heaton, uh, Spectrum, Bourgeois Bass Roman Concerto. That was a real highlight uh, programme-wise, especially. And of course, the, the Brazen concert we did in 2019 uh, with uh, the Flying Dutchman team, with the Sand Artist, that was a great show to organize and to, to be on that stage between all these amazing bands. That was one of the, the biggest highlights for me, of course. It was terrific and really fresh, enjoyable programming. I remember that at Brassen concert. Let's look at another area of your musical life at the moment, Robert, and that is your work as a composer. Where did that interest come from? Because, of course, you enjoyed some success fairly recently. It's sort of a funny story, because when I was around 13 years old, I had this computer program and I just started to arrange and write some music. And I did it all the way up to I finished my conservatoire, which was 2008. Um, and since then, I've never uh, been writing anything, actually, because there was no time, no inspiration. Well, mostly no time, probably. Because of this lockdown, I had quite got some extra time to to fill and uh, I came across the Brook Ride uh, composers competition they were searching for a five minute duration piece and I just remembered I wrote one in 2008 which I never really finished so I was thinking well, why not let's just finish it and send it in I have something to do and then well to be honest it was a big surprise that it actually won out of our 100 entries I never expected that but it was great and um, well I had the opportunity to write a few smaller commissions now. I'm working on a little piece for Mika Parsons, euphonium player. And I'm working on a piece for a Dutch band, to Horen, an opening piece for the Jubilee. And But probably, you know, I like to compose, but I'm out of the act. It might be something I might do a little next to my normal work, but I, I, I don't feel like writing a million test pieces, you know. Let's now turn then, Robert, while we're on strictly musical matters, to your piece of the podcast. This is an opportunity for guests just to share a work of their choosing. So tell me, why have you chosen this particular piece? Well, I've chosen the, this particular piece because it's, it's one of the biggest composers for brass band, uh, in my opinion. His work is very inspiring very well scored to say uh, exactly well balanced uh, color wise um I, I think it's these pieces should be played much more often and one of his pieces will be a test piece the world music contest next year which i'm really happy and might be a reason why our band will join the competition so yeah and this piece i can say i think it's uh, the toccata by heaton oh the blessed lord it's fantastic it's, of course there's this quintet version 
Um, but the way he scores for band without any use of percussion, it's very well written. Uh, so hopefully we'll, we'll hear this music a bit more than we have been able to. Well, without any further ado, let's have a listen to Takata, Oh the Blessed Lord, music by Wilfred Heaton.
Toccata, Oh the Blessed Lord, music by Wilfred Heaton. That studio recording came from Yorkshire Building Society Band under the baton of David King. It was the piece of the podcast as chosen by my guest today, Robert Voss. Robert, the world knows you today as a euphonium player of the highest calibre, but you didn't start out on euphonium. Tell me about your early musical life. Uh, well, um, I actually started with a two-year uh, basical musical theory course uh, when I was around, let's say, seven years old. And my teacher there, um, we, I never knew it because we learned to play the glockenspiel. Um, so my teacher there actually was a brass teacher. So at one point, the, the young students were invited to go to a sort of carousel and try all these different instruments. He was giving me a flugelhorn. And because I liked my teacher very much, I chose the flugelhorn. So if you played violin, it could have been very different today. So yeah, that's the reason why I went for, for flugelhorn. But after, let's say three years, it just didn't work out. Like the tuning slide was very far out. It was more like a trombone size than, than a flugelhorn size at the end. Um, so when I was around 11 or 12, I, I switched to the euphonium, just coincidentally, because he gave me one and he said, try this, it might be better. And well, it worked for me. And uh, I'm still happy I made that choice. I bet you are, yeah. So at what point did you start to get really quite serious about your music making? Was it a flick of a switch in your head or was it just bubbling away gradually over time? I think I was always very motivated and very inspired by the Fenfer band uh, repertoire and the Fenfer band I played in. So I, I always liked to practice and, and at the point I became 17, I was in doubt if I wanted to go to conservatoire. So I also vis- visited a quite some universities to become a lawyer, things like that. But at the same point, I decided to take a pre-bachelor course uh, with the conservatoire. And that was the moment I was well, very convinced that I really wanted to go for it. Much of your adult playing life has been with 
brass band Schoenhoven, and there has been lots of success, including several Dutch titles and appearances at the likes of the European Brass Band Championships. From a playing perspective, what stands out for you as a particular highlight? Well, there are a few. I think, of course, our um, performance in Rotterdam 2012 at the Europeans. We won the own choice piece then with Audivier Media Nocte. Uh, there was quite some rumor about that one, um, but we we went on stage and it just happened. And then you're in your own or your own country with a lot of fans from your own country, and people went bonkers. So that was an amazing experience, and not emotionally maybe, but but um, adrenaline wise, I think uh, emotionally the Vita Eterna in the same year for Vita Eterna Variations was a very emotional piece to play. And the year after, one of my other highlights would be the performance of From Ancient Times. Maybe it didn't score that well, but everything happened um, for myself. I was very nervous for this piece to play it because there are so many places which could go wrong and it didn't. So uh, I remember that one very well too. We've looked at how Dutch bands have made an imprint on the banding community across Europe. Tell me, where do you think the health of the Dutch banding scene is at the moment? That's, that's a difficult one. I'm not convinced it's going very well, to be honest. Of course, uh, in my opinion, the lower section bands have a great standard in our country and are still getting better and better. And that's something we can be really proud of. The championship section, of course, we have amazing bands, but I think they are almost all struggling with getting, uh, getting good players in. We see that there is an issue with really young players to actually start playing an instrument and then reaching the right level for a conservatoire. We see conservatoires not really stimulating their students to play in a brass band because if you play trumpet, please don't play cornet. You know, and it's that's a very difficult one. And people are busy, you know. Everyone's really busy, it seems. Not sure what busy means, but to confirm yourself to a band, but really go for it and be there when you're needed. Also for extra rehearsals, things like that. That seems to be harder these days. It's really, really interesting. There are so many issues you touch on there that people will recognise in different countries all over European banding, I am sure, uh, and particularly the case here in the UK too, from people trying to work out, yes, how do you commit to this thing which can take up quite a lot of your time? But of course, we know the rewards, not just in terms of prizes, but just that being part of this wonderful unit, this tight-knit unit that travels together, that plays together, that performs together, wins together, loses together. I mean, we don't need convinced, but it's a very special thing, isn't it? Definitely. And I, th- I think Brasbans should realise that that they're not pl- always uh, focused on their audiences. Of course, it's, it's a re- the competition thing is very important. Um, but if we give a normal concert with different repertoire, there might be 50 to 100 people, then something goes wrong, I think. I think next to this whole competition thing, there there could be more and more focus on doing some more special events uh, to try to develop the repertoire in various ways, which is not only about test pieces and the highest and lowest note. Uh, I think there is a big opportunity still for brass bands to, to improve and to get a bit more into 2021. Having a look at another aspect of your musical life, Robert, you've been a euphonium player with the Marine Band of the Royal Netherlands Navy since 2014. How did that opportunity come about and is it quite a departure from the world of the brass band? It definitely is. When I graduated from Conservatoire, I was um, accepted for the Royal Military Police Band 
Uh, I've played there for around six years, and then uh, this vacancy came up with the Marine Band. So I auditioned for it, and I won this audition. And uh, then the, my life changed quite a bit because this police band was part-time, and this, this band is full-time. So the way they approach music is very different. No one is worried about splits, for example, where the Brisbane community can be really uh, happy with someone splits or not. We're just trying to, to make music on the highest level and in all the most varied styles as possible, from big band to a very heavy classical and everything in between. It's a great standard we have with this orchestra and I really enjoy to play there. Of course, it's given it's giving me a basic income as well, which is amazing. But the way you can play a concert there feels very different than being on a very tense competition stage. It must make, I'm sure, for some great variety in your musical life. For someone who's already achieved a lot as a performer, you started conducting at rather a young age, about 17. Again, you've enjoyed lots of successes there. What attracted you to picking up the baton for the first time? <laughs> well, I, I can re I remember that. We had some Chinese chopsticks at home uh, <laughs> around 12 or 13. And I was already conducting along some music by then. So I'm not sure why, but it just happened. So it always had some sort of my interest. When I was 17, my uh, music school teacher said there was an, uh, an opportunity with a small local orchestra, around 20 musicians, which is not big for a wind band. So I was accepted there and that, that's where it all started. And then things develop and you go to conservatory, you, you go to study conducting. Uh, but there's something special about it. The hardest thing is that you're not playing. So I have a feeling about how I want every note to sound, but it's someone else who has to do it. So it's also about giving a lot of confidence uh, about, about creating a group, which is really together and have the same ideas. And I really enjoyed that the human aspect about it. If there's a good board behind you and some good committees behind you, you're not responsible for everything. My main responsibility is to be well prepared for every rehearsal and to try to motivate in, in the right way. That's the most important thing for me, that people have a good time, but still work hard. That's, that's always my, my combination. Uh, I think sometimes conductors might focus too much only on the result. Players get frustrated. I think when players feel good and there's a good atmosphere and the things are well organized behind it, then the level will improve itself automatically. Across the various strands of your music making, Robert, whether as a player, conductor, composer, whatever it might happen to be, are you able to pick out one or two people who've played a big role in your musical development, perhaps major musical influences on you? Well, first of all, my teacher at Conservatoire, his name is Piet Joris. Uh, he, he taught me for around five years. He was quite strict, but, but always very honest. And um, he really prepared his students for the real hard life out there. Something I really appreciated. And I remember that he didn't want to hire me for the Conservatoire because I wasn't good enough, but he gave me the opportunity. And I'm really glad he did. And that also uh, learned me that it's not always about just the highest standard, but also about giving confidence and trust to someone to see what happens if you uh, try to get the best out of them. That's that's one of them. Another another conductor, which is very known, of course, Eric Janssen. Uh, I've worked very close together with him from 2008 to 2014. I have to say he gave me all the opportunities uh, I could get. Uh, play solos with the band, uh, record the CDs, do group rehearsals. When he was not available, I could stand in for him as a conductor. And he gave me loads of opportunities, which I'm very grateful for. 
Another successful relationship is that with Besson. You've enjoyed that partnership for a couple of years now. Tell me about it. How are you looking forward to continuing to develop that when life allows? One year ago, one and a half year ago, the uh, Buffet Crampon Amsterdam showroom uh, opened uh, in Amsterdam, of course, near the Concertgebouw Orchestra. Um, so the last concert we actually did uh, before the lockdown was in that showroom together with Stephen Mead and all the local uh, Dutch and Belgian artists. Uh, I think we have a great group there. I think the cooperation with them, it's really professional. We get some great contact with, for example, Jan Janssen. Uh, you might know him as well. Um, so they allow me to develop myself as a player and will, I know they will support me when I might need them in years to come. A great roster of artists joining you there. Absolutely fantastic. Well, as we approach the final moments of our conversation today, Robert, let's look to the future. Firstly, with Brass Band Schoenhoven, how do you think you'll find the dynamic when you're back sitting with a euphonium in your hand and someone else comes in to put their stamp on the direction of the band? Well, that's something I actually look forward to because it will be, of course, different, but I don't have any need to well, let's discuss the musical process anymore. I won't be doing the, the sectional rehearsals for, let's say, a year or two, or just let the new guy come in, do whatever he thinks is right for the band, and I'm happy to follow him. So I'm, I'm not a difficult player in that way. I think for the band, the Nationals are not sure yet if they can, can go on yeah. in October. And then, of course, in 2022, there's our Jubilee year, a 100 Jubilee year. So there might be some big events coming up, which I'm looking forward to as well. So we hope there will be some exciting times ahead, but as you say, there is still quite a lot of uncertainty for obvious reasons. And looking to your wider musical life, Robert, is it possible yet to start thinking about scheduling some dates in the diary? We are thinking about it, and uh, I've been working with some uh, composers for new commissions, but when we are able to do premieres, it's very uncertain Maybe we you can start rehear to rehearse in September. We could do a premiere a few months later, but it's very uncertain. But there are some plans, and whenever we can, we just try to go for it again. Well, here's hoping. I think I first met you when you came to Scotland to perform with Kirkintella Kelvin Brass a few years ago. So here's hoping you can get back into airports and get jet-setting sometime soon. Just finally for now, Robert, how do you think the brass band world, internationally, how do you think it might have changed when we come out of this situation and we will eventually and we can get back to doing some of these activities which we love so dear and thinking about seeing each other in person again how do you think banding might have evolved i think many things won't have changed at all probably so a lot of people will get back to the band room they haven't played for a while and it will hurt but they will just get along with it and go back to their normal routine but on the other side, there will be some players who actually might enjoy the free time. And there might actually be players who uh, get back to the band. And then after a few weeks, they might think that they actually enjoyed their free time more than, than these rehearsals. I think that might be the biggest challenge for a lot of bands, what will happen when they get back in the band room. So it's it's a job of the, the board and the conductors to make to have a lot of fun, you know, and to make, make it worth visiting the band room again. So yeah, that, that will be very interesting. That's it for this episode of BB on the Record. Thank you to Robert Voss and thanks to you for listening. 
Do get in touch about anything you might have heard on the podcast. You can email info at britishbandsman.com. Remember, you can enjoy a digital subscription to British Bandsman. It costs just £42.99 for one year. From the latest news and interviews to BB's exclusive Masterclass series featuring the likes of Richard Marshall, Tom Hutchinson, Stephen Mead, Brett Baker and Kirsty Abbotts, make sure you don't miss out. Go to BritishBandsman.com and click on subscribe. As for this podcast, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. Join me next time on BB On The Record. Bye for now.